Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Supervalue Insurance. Looking out for you and yours with our new life and mortgage protection insurance. Well, Asbestos is a well-known Irish street artist. You might know some of his work on homelessness and on COVID and on many other themes. Murals painted high on gable walls across gates and sometimes on small posters mixed in with other notices on lampposts and houses. Well, recently, Asbestos and documentary maker Ross Colleen have spent time focusing on a very personal part of his life and of his family's life. His mother, Helena, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and her husband Matt is her primary carer. The documentary called Don't Forget to Remember will be in the Dublin International Film Festival later this month and Asbestos and his dad Matt join me now in studio. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you both for being here. Matt, let's start with you. Tell me about Helena. When did you first meet up? Uh, it's a long time ago. <laughs> it would have been the late 60s, um, late 67, 68. Um, we got married actually in 70, in September of 70, which is f- over 53 years ago now at this stage. Can you remember the first time you met her? You saw I her? do, I can. I met her in the Olympic Ballroom. <laughs> OK. Just off Wexford Street. Um, and um, I'd, I'd say it was love at first sight. Oh. <laughs> what was she like? Uh, very, very attractive and still very attractive. She sure is. Even at this stage in her life, so she is. Um, we got on very, very well. Uh, we, we just clicked, I suppose. That's basically what it was. And as I say, we got married in September of uh, tw- uh, 1970. She gave up work at that stage. I mean, she worked in accounts in a couple of different departments. We had uh, two, two, uh, two sons, Billy and Peter, and I was in the pub trade at that stage with the wires of um, Western Row at the corner of Pier Street and Lombard Street. I then took over a pub in Leeson Street, with the wires of Leeson Street. And she actually helped me at that stage. Uh, she gave up work and helped me at that stage, but also looked after the two lads as well, too. Yeah, which is probably a lot of hard work there, as best as <laughs> you and your yeah. older brother, Billy. Yeah. Tell me about your mum. What kind of a mum was she? Um... Yeah, it's kind of, it's something I've been thinking about a lot over the film and how um, she was great. She was wonderful, like saying like she worked in the pub. She did so much, so many different things and was a very caring person to everyone around, to family. Um, and yeah, I suppose I was the, the light of her eye for a long time. But <laughs> I think what was, what's interesting is I over the process of making this film, I started to think, just like my dad said, that... She gave up work, and but then went back and actually worked in the family business. Mm-hmm. But I'm c- trying to think back to who that person was, who the Helena, because I've been creating all this work and all these photos and drawings, but then thinking, God, what was I like when I was 18 or 20 or 25 when you guys mm-hmm. met? Mm-hmm. What, what was that person? And I only really see her as mother, as my mum. And it's it's so interesting to kind of step back and think of all of the different thoughts and who that person was in the context of kind of how she is now. So it's it's been a really interesting exploration of being a son and being um, just human and thinking about how we change and how that person in the 70s getting married and all the hope that she had. She wasn't wild about the idea of you doing street art initially, was she? No, it does get mentioned <laughs> that. Well, I, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, I suppose she didn't really, she didn't think about it in the context of of, of why I was doing it or what the, the purpose of it was. Um, but was really supportive when, saw, when she saw what it was and what I was doing. And I suppose more recently, the bigger murals are more commissioned pieces and they're more actually about kind of, I suppose, more personal things and more mm-hmm. things that connect and have stories mm-hmm. that people can uh, relate to. So I think th- that part of which she's been really kind of supportive, definitely. Yeah, no, your work is amazing. We'll come back to it as well, talking about how you're involving, you know, Helena in it now. Interestingly, it's a wonderful documentary, Matt, but Helena talks in it about the Dublin Monaghan bombings. She was almost caught up in that. Tell me about that. She was. Um, we were, we actually lived over at the pub in Western Row at the time. And she brought Billy up to uh, Stephen's Green for a walk. And she was pregnant, actually, with Peter. And on her way back down, um, she had to get a message in Arnott's when Arnott's were in, back in uh, Grafton Street. But she didn't go in for it. And she walked down past uh, Trinity College, past Lincoln Place. And when she was putting the key in the door, the bomb went off. So... Five minutes, if she had went in for the parcel, I would have imagined that she would have been caught in the bomb and Peter wouldn't be around. It's extraordinary to yeah, think that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. OK, in terms of Alzheimer's, you obviously had a great marriage, really happy, two gorgeous Absolutely. boys. When did you first notice something and, and when and why was Helena diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Well, I suppose going back, it's just over six years now at this stage. I mean, there was things happening. I, I've Where's my keys? Where's my glasses? And I didn't take much heed in it at that time, but it had continued on over a couple of months. A, a very good uh, GP, uh, Dr. Rutledge is his name, but he had um, Suzanne Walsh, basically, in his practice. And she, I, I said it to her, and she said, well, bring Helene in. I said, and we'll do the test, the MCA mm. test, which is the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. And when she'd done it first, she says, yes, there, we, I think there's a problem here, but leave it for a couple of months and we'll do it again. So the second time she'd done it, um, she had actually gone down in, in, in the, in the what's called in the assessment. Mm. So she felt at this stage that we need to get more professional help. So she put us in touch with um, Professor Power, Dr. Dermot Power. He's in Eccles Street. Mm. And he uh, diagnosed her basically with Alzheimer's, but he also said that she had vascular dementia as well too. And this is where basically she gets small um, strokes. <clears throat> you don't notice them. I don't notice them. She doesn't notice them. And the only concern that they do have with it is that uh, she could get one which would change her um, aspect in life and everything as well too, kind of, because she is very, very calm. Mm. Unhealthy. And like she's well, physically extreme, very healthy. Extremely she looks great. healthy. Yeah. Very, she very healthy. Yeah. Very, very healthy. I mean, I could say, look back over the last two, three or four years, I don't even think she gets even calls, even, you know. <laughs> I often wonder, and I'll come to you now, Spastos, Matt, does your wife, Helena, does she know, and did she know originally that she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's? No. Um, I felt at the time, because of the type of individual she was, that it wouldn't be beneficial. Peter was uh, saying kind of, no, if it was me, I'd like to know. I think we should tell her. Um, I had a problem, basically. I had an operation and I was out of action for a couple of weeks and Peter and Billy were looking after her. And after that, Peter said to me, no, you couldn't tell her. I think as well, she was very aware of her own kind of health in in so many ways. I think... I think she had a sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose every family, and I've spoken to so many people about it, 
it's such a difficult decision to make and that decision had to be made to to be as caring and as considerate as possible so I, I don't know what the right answer is I really don't and I, I don't know if anyone does and it's, it was such a, a, mm-hmm. a, a weird dilemma but mm-hmm. at the moment she's in a place where she's really really positive and really happy and really uh, content and so many people that I know who've experienced it there's people who've got violent or who get really mm-hmm. distressed and I think that was our biggest concern that that if if we focus too much on it with her, that she'd actually maybe internalise it a lot and get very, very distressed. Mm. No, and you can see that. I mean, you are her primary carer, yeah, Matt. You mind her at home. I do, yeah. You get a bit of help, not much, from carers. Mm. And I know you've got two great sons. Mm-hmm. How is that for you? Um, it's tough at times. The way I look at it really is she has a disease. It's not her fault she got the disease. And there's nothing I can do about it in the past. I look to the future as to basically what's coming down the line and um, there are times basically at night time when I wake up two or three o'clock in the morning and I start to think basically what's going to happen. But then I say to myself, I've no control over that. Mm-hmm. The only control I, what I have is basically is present. And I said, I deal with what's happening in front of me and that's how I deal with Helena on a daily basis. I'd say there's a lot of people listening this morning, Matt, who are also carers for people like you whom they adore. But it's tough. No, no, it is very tough. It is very tough. I mean, it's the repetitive questions on a daily basis. And what I say to people is that I can talk to Alina, but I can't have a conversation with her. Mm. There is no return. Even when she's asking me a question, halfway through the question, she forgets basically what she's going to ask me. Also, when I speak to people and say kind of that she has Alzheimer's, they look at me and kind of say kind of, well, you know, they're not able to ask a question where she had cancer or leukaemia or something to say, well, is she getting treatment and that? Mm. But I think the majority of people look at Alzheimer's, when you see it on TV and programmes as well too, most in most cases, they're at an advanced stage. It's, it's been shown wrongly as far as I'm concerned because she's very calm in herself. And I mean, as I say, it's over six years now and she's still happy in herself as well too. It's tough on me, yes, I agree. And the carers and as the professionals will tell you, even Dr. Power say, we have to look after the carer. Mm-hmm. Um, the patient himself looks after themselves really. And they are the people that needs to be looked after. Do you worry about your dad? All the time, yeah. Um, I think it's it's interesting even talking about that, that about my mum having Alzheimer's. In some ways, my dad has Alzheimer's because my mum doesn't really know mm. at this stage. And if you think when you're suffering from something else or you have another condition, you're in pain or you're dealing with it. Whereas I think the person who actually often um, has to deal with the most with Alzheimer's is the carer or the family. Yeah, it's it, I, I worry about my dad all the time but it's also brought us together. And I think through the through the documentary, I talk about the fact that there's conversations I'd love to have with my mum now that I can't as, as, a, as two adults talking about our future and talking about our lives. But I can have them with my dad and we've got a lot closer, but that's not possible now. It's, it, that's gone. Like there's no way I can ever do that with my mum. But at least in some ways this and in every situation has brought me closer to him. And interestingly, you say that about your mum and you kind of worry. I think you say this in the documentary about what's left of her, of her essence, don't you? Explain Um, that. 
Well, I think it's it's very hard to understand that because you can't jump into somebody's mind. And I think mm -hmm. even talking to the Alzheimer's Society, there was one person mentioned to us that it's not necessarily that people that those memories are gone. It's just that they're inaccessible. She's still there, but we are a, a summation of our memories and we remember our family in different ways. You remember the good and the bad and the, the good all the times that we have. So as you lose those memories, you are losing part of yourself. But I think the core essence of who she is is there and she's become a little bit more uh, in some ways childlike. Mm. And there's a kind of a running theme through the through as we yeah. look at family photos every time she sees a picture of me she starts laughing and and, it, and it's kind of wonderful as well because yeah. I, I wind her up about it but it's also kind of a brilliant thing but when she sees these photographs as well during the exhibition of all of the blackboards that I drew of our family photos we walked in the three of us mm -hmm. and she looked at one photo that was a family photo from um, a trip we were in York in England and she was pointing at that going who's that? And pointing at myself, my brother is, is one and two years of age or three or four. And she was going, who are they? And that's really upsetting to see and really kind of shocking because those images are kind of ingrained in you from for, for like 40, 50 years. And then suddenly touching on that and realizing that that is disappearing and is disintegrating. And it's quite brutal, really. It's mm -hmm. like it, and that's what we kind of wanted to focus on within the film is is showing not it's not a documentary talking about Alzheimer's. It's a it's a film about a family and it's a film about a couple and their life and their children and all of those memories and how I think to me the film is called Don't Forget to Remember, which is also about us, but it's actually about other people watching it, thinking about what mm -hmm. they remember and about their families. And we go through photos and everything, but. Generally, you go through photos when you're emptying out somebody's house or when somebody has passed away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we want to kind of encourage with the film is thinking about the present and the, the questions you can ask the people around you. I think it's beautiful. I think it's very much a film about love as well. I mean, it, yeah. it was lovely a little while ago, Matt, when Asbestos, you call him Peter, obviously, yeah. that is his name. <laughs> he was saying it's out of the sadness of Helena's illness mm -hmm. You've become closer to your son. You can have, say yeah, everything have, yeah, you want to say. Well, I, I've always been close to them, but I, as Peter said, which is very, very true, um, there's a bond there that possibly wasn't there before. I mean, OK, you have a relationship between uh, parents and children as well, too, which is always the case. Hmm. But I think um, we have created a bond in the last couple of years, for that matter, basically, which has flourished as far as I'm concerned. And um, he's he's a great help to me. And both of them are, but Peter more so in that regards. Does Helena, just for my listeners, does she still know you all? She does. And this is a misconception that mm. a lot of people have in regards to the knowledge of families. Uh, that only materialises basically in the, in the latter stages. Now, yeah. there are some people basically who will uh, it'll escalate a lot quicker and will forget their families. She does know the families. Now, she doesn't know what day it is or she doesn't know what month it is, doesn't know what age it is. I have three, grand, three grandchildren, three girls, and she knows the three girls, but she wouldn't know when their birthdays or anything mm. of that calibre. You were talking about your art there, obviously, and the photographs. Mm. Just to explain to people, we see you in the documentary, you're creating artworks. They're blackboards, chalk drawings of old family photos of your mum. You exhibit them first, but then you destroy them, which is kind mm. of shocking. Explain. 
it came out of an exhibition I did in the Hugh Lane um, a few years ago and Ross, the director, was one of the first people in. And the idea behind that was was three photos based around the work of Joseph Boyce, who's in uh, Hugh Lane. And it, the idea was to, on Culture Night to get people to come in and actually destroy those works. The idea behind it is that memories are so strong within us and within our families collectively remembered that the idea of the work of art being important or the idea of the physical manifestation is actually less important than we think it is. Mm -hmm. Like we, we see so much art around the world, but we mostly see it on our phone or on TV screen. Mm -hmm. We never see it in reality. So we experience so much of that and we place so much importance onto the physical manifestation of everything around us or our homes or material elements. But when you go through something in a family, when anyone goes through a health scare, or you suddenly think about the people as opposed mm -hmm. to the physical thing. So, uh, and so much of street art and graffiti is ephemeral, is passing, is brittle, and chalk is uh, so easy to destroy. So I wanted to create works that were really, really easy to destroy and then put them out onto the street. So in the film, you see me taking the works from the gallery mm -hmm. and then literally hanging them on walls, putting them in stables, letting the rain disintegrate them, putting them in the sea and letting the, the, the waves wash them away. And people were really shocked by this mm -hmm. because people just didn't want to destroy them. And like when I'm telling people, I really want you to <laughs> destroy, destroy them, them because <laughs> I have those memories. And actually the, the process of me making them have made those memories stronger for everyone around us. My family, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, my dad, yeah. my brother, the kids, like everyone has grown into those memories and learned an awful lot more. And even going through all of those things, I found out so much. So the act of making those boards was not to make the work. It was to actually have a conversation and then putting them out on the street, people stopping us as we're putting them up and talking about their families and telling us stories mm -hmm. and writing about things on the boards. And there was one on South William Street that over a period of maybe two months just got changing, changing, changing yeah. every single day. And you'll see the flicking through that in the film. Yeah. So the work wasn't created until it was destroyed, which is kind of quite contrary to what people think of as art. The other lovely thing is that your mum can't remember a lot of things, though she obviously knows you all. But then something comes back to her clearly. Remember when you brought her back to her child at home, yeah. the street she grew up on? That was yeah, amazing. We were filming Somerset Street in um, South Southwest Road, Road, yeah, now down near the gasometers and. They had a little house there. There's a photo yeah. in one of the, the chalkboards, which is my grandmother, Helena, as well. There's a shop there as and well. And it was a little mm -hmm. shop. And yeah. it was actually there was a man came up to us and remembered the family shop. So it was the, it was a, a focus of the uh, community. And there's still a very strong community there. But as we walked up to the film crew to start filming that day and putting up one of the boards, my mum was talking about the shop on the corner that's still there yeah. and about the woman who ran that. And then about 10 minutes later, she was just pointing across the road and going, there was a post office there and told me about that family. Amazing. But she, as the director asked her about the house, she was like, well, did I live there? She couldn't remember living in a house that she'd been probably 25 years mm -hmm. and that so much of her formative memories were there. We went inside. Nikki, who's living in the house now, brought us in and my mum just kind of looked around and was in, in some ways, I think, kind of curious as to why we were even there because she couldn't remember anything about it. I asked her and I kind of felt at that point we didn't film in there, but it was just a sense of mm. 
you know what, this feels as if I, it's too much. It was too much for me. And it was just so shocking. But then those memories, those snippets, it's just, it's quite astonishing how, I've just no idea how the brain works in that way. And I just, it's, it's fascinating, though, watching this documentary. As we come to an end, Matt, were you worried about making it? In the, in the initial stages, yes, I was. I was concerned about what way she would react to it. But uh, she took it in her stride mm. and uh, didn't really know what it was all about. But she knew it was about asbestos and his work and uh, his relationship basically with herself and myself as well, too. It's ended up a beautiful result. Yeah. Did When you watched it, how did you watch it and... How I watched it on my own in the first in, in the first time I saw it, and it was um, very emotional. I must say, some of the the, the film actually went back to, to uh, a time basically when she was filmed when we were in Rome, and I then I saw her in her true self then, and now I look at her in this in the way that she is at the moment. So in that regards, it was very emotional for us. Yeah, but yeah. I think. She looks beautiful in it as yeah. well. Amazing hair still. Yeah. Do you get respite yourself, Matt? Um, I haven't got respite yet. Um, it's respite in actual fact is actually out in the orchard in Black Rock. I mean, I haven't applied for it, but um, Anya Bennett, who is my area for the Alzheimer's Society, is fantastic and points me in the right direction. She goes out every Wednesday to the daycare, which is great. And then I have two carers, one on a Tuesday, one on a Thursday for three-hour periods. But people need to ask. The, the Alzheimer's Society is fantastic, but they need to ask and get the help because the help is there, so it is. Well, that's a lovely message yeah. to end on. It's a wonderful documentary. Uh, congrats to you, first of all, Asbestos, and your amazing art and also being involved in this amazing documentary. And Matt, to you. Thank you. If there were medals for heroes going, um, like you, so many other people around this country, you're an amazing carer. Thank you so much. And the documentary is called Don't Forget to Remember. It's on the IFI on February the 26th. It's sold out, but the plan is to bring it to other festivals. And all the details are on diff, D-I-F-F dot I-E. And of course, you'll find Asbestos and all his art on artofasbestos.com. Thank you, Matt. Thank Thank you, you. Asbestos. (laughs)